We live in a strange culture. We live in a culture where music is very important. We want a thousand songs in our pocket. We want to be able to stream on Spotify, Amazon Music, iHeartRadio, TuneIn Radio, you, you name it. We want to have music in our ears, present all the time. And yet, by and large, we are a culture that does not sing. We want music around us, we want music in our ears and with us wherever we go at all times, but we don't do that much singing. You don't hear somebody spontaneously break out into song. Occasionally, if you uh, come into the room and you, there might be a small child who's playing and that child uh, might be singing to themselves quietly. I'm playing with my little toy and I'm going to... You know, and they're just singing their little song, Right? And you go, oh, isn't that cute? But at some point, you become self-conscious because you outgrew that, and you go, oh, no, I'm not going to sing because what if somebody hears me? The, the only exception or one of the few exceptions that I could think of about a way that we sing in celebration is happy birthday, right? Somehow this is the one time, the one celebration that we break out into song, and it's very forced, you recognize the cake has come, the candles are lit, we must start singing right now, and you look around and go, who is going to get this mess started? And are there enough of us here that I can sort of mumble under my breath and get away with not really singing? But by and large, we don't really sing, but we, I think, were created to sing. We were created to make music. We were created to rejoice in that way, and this morning we're looking at Psalm 98, and we're going to see um, some encouragement toward singing. So Psalm 98, uh, at the very beginning there's a title that says, a psalm. So if you're looking in your Bibles and you see it says, Psalm 98, a psalm. For some reason, not all of the psalms say that at the beginning. But this one has a title. This one, uh, in the original language, in Hebrew, it said, a psalm. It wants you to know this is a song. This is a song. Now, it's a whole book of songs all put together, but this one in particular, he wants you to know, the author of, of this psalm wants you to know, this is a song. It is meant to be sung. Oh, sing to the Lord a new song, for he has done marvelous things. His right hand and his holy arm have worked salvation for him. Sing to the Lord a new song. Sing to the Lord a new song. When we sing happy birthday, that's an old song. It's the same song. It's not like we spontaneously celebrate at birthday and sing a brand new song every time. Maybe you, your family does because you're very musical, but my family does not. My family just sings the same old happy birthday song. This one says, sing to the Lord a new song. A new song. Now, there are some very old songs. We sing them regularly here. Old, old songs. 
songs that have been around for a very long time, and we sing them here because those old songs have a richness to them, they have a great value to them, they have a history that's associated with them, and for some of us, they have memories that are associated with them as well, right? So we sing those songs, and all of the memories of God's goodness in our lives or our experiences with God, when we sang those songs at an important time in our lives, and now we sing them again, and it just floods back, and we go, yes, I am praising God. in this old, old song. And there's a lot of value in that. But there is also great value in singing brand new songs and saying, the Lord, you are worthy not only of the old songs, but of the new songs too. Of the new songs too. Oh, sing to the Lord a new song, for He has done marvelous things. Why should we sing a new song? Because God's done great things, marvelous things, wonderful things. God's done really great stuff, and so we should sing new songs. His right hand and His holy arm have worked salvation for Him. You see, the the reason that we continue to sing new songs and new songs continue to be written is because God continues to do new things. Lamentations chapter 3, verse 22 says, The steadfast love of the Lord never ceases. His mercies never come to an end. They are new every morning. Great is your faithfulness. The faithfulness of God has been revealed to us through His Word, right? We read these stories of God's faithfulness to the Israelites all the way back in Egypt, all the way back to Noah before the, uh, before the flood and during the flood, all the way back, right? We can, can read those stories and we see God's faithfulness to His people all the way back at the beginning of time in creation. And we can read those stories of the history of God's people and how God has provided for them, saved them, taken care of them. And you can see that from generation to generation to generation, from century to century to century, all the way up to uh, the time that Jesus comes. And for us, all of those stories are very old. They happened a long time ago. But at each point that God was doing something, He was doing something new. And that God who has this steadfast love, this God who is so faithful to His people, has not changed. He has not stopped being faithful to His people. He has not stopped showing the strength of His right arm and His salvation. He continues to do it even today. And so as he continues to do it, we should continue to praise him and we continue to create new songs and new ways of praising him because of all that he has done. The Lord has made known, it says in verse 2, the Lord has made known his salvation. He has revealed his righteousness in the sight of the nations. He has remembered his steadfast love and faithfulness to the house of Israel. All the ends of the earth have seen the salvation of our God. As the psalmist is writing this, I don't know which episode in particular they have in mind. There could have been any number of them. 
This is a very general song. There's no context for it, right? Some of the other psalms, there's a very specific context. This one is almost intentionally general. It's almost intentionally general. So I don't know which particular salvation this author had in mind as he's writing it, or if he's just thinking of the myriad ways that God has saved his people. But when God saves his people, it is not merely for their benefit, right? It is for their benefit. They do benefit greatly in being saved from whatever kind of peril that they are in. They benefit from that. But it is not merely for their benefit. They also, when he does that, it is made known throughout the nations. I want to give you an example of this in Joshua chapter 2. I just want to read this for you. Joshua chapter 2. What has happened is that uh, God has taken his people out of Egypt He's brought them through the desert. Now Joshua is getting ready to lead them into the land of Israel. And so Joshua sends two spies to go into the land. And they go into a a city called Jericho. It's a heavily fortified city. They go into Jericho. They find a woman named Rahab. And they hide in her house. And the, the king of Jericho and the people of Jericho hear about these spies who have come into the land. They hear that they, a rumor that they are at Rahab's house. They go over to Rahab's house and say, where are those men? And Rahab goes, I don't know. You know what? I, I think that they were here. If I recall, they were here, but they have run away. If you hurry, you might catch them. Meanwhile, they're up hiding on the roof. And so they hurry away to go and try and catch those spies, and Rahab goes to them, and this is what it says, Joshua chapter 2, verse 8. Before the men lay down, she came up to them on the roof, and she said to the men, I know that the Lord has given you the land, and that the fear of you has fallen upon us, and that all the inhabitants of the land melt away before you. For we have heard how the Lord dried up the water of the Red Sea before you when you came out of Egypt, and what you did to the two kings of the Amorites who were beyond the Jordan, to Sihon and Og, whom you devoted to destruction. And as soon as we heard it, our hearts melted, and there was no spirit left in any man because of you. For the Lord your God, he is God in the heavens above and on the earth beneath. So when we're reading in Psalm 98 and it says the Lord has made known his salvation, he has revealed his righteousness in the sight of the nations, this is what's happening. When God saves his people, others see and hear that. At this time, at the time of Rahab, Rahab goes, we know, we know, we all know, we know that God took you out of Egypt We know that God defeated those other kings, and we know that God is giving you this land. And we are terrified because we know that your God is with you, and he is the God of heaven. That's what we know. When the Lord saves, his power, his strength, his salvation for his people is made known. Listen to this. The Lord has made known his salvation He has revealed his righteousness in the sight of the nations. He has remembered his steadfast love and faithfulness to the house of Israel. And all the ends of the earth have seen the salvation of our God. Now now listen, look, in in verse 1 though, 
It said to sing to the Lord a new song for His right hand and His holy arm have worked salvation for whom? His right hand and His holy arm have worked salvation for you. No. His, his right hand and His holy arm have worked salvation for me. No. For us. No. For them. Nope. For him. For him. His right hand and his holy arm have worked salvation for him. God has done it for himself. Those who were saved benefited for sure. But the purpose of his saving them, the purpose of his salvation was for him. He did it for himself. He didn't save you for you. He didn't save them for them. He didn't save us for us. He saved us for him. It was his salvation for his purpose. And one of his purposes is that when he did it, everyone would hear and know and recognize that he is God and there's no one like him. There is no one like him. So they come to Rahab and she says, we know, we've heard all the stories. All the stories that we read in the Old Testament, the inhabitants of the land had heard those same stories and they were freaked out. The Israelites are coming. The Israelites, did you hear what happened with the Israelites? Did you hear what happened to Egypt? Did you hear what happened at the Red Sea? Did you hear, uh, did you hear about what they did to Sihon and to Og? Yeah, I heard. What do you think they're going to do next? I don't know, but their God is the God of heaven. And I think he's giving them this land. God's right hand, his salvation is made known to the earth. It says it again in Isaiah 52. Isaiah 52 verse 9. Break forth together into singing, you waste places of Jerusalem. For the Lord has comforted his people. He has redeemed Jerusalem. The Lord has bared his holy arm before the eyes of all the nations, and all the ends of the earth shall see the salvation of our God. Break forth into singing. Just like burst it out. When, when the salvation of God is made known, when his people are saved, they just spontaneously rejoice in song. It goes on in, in, verse 50, uh, in chapter 53 to say this. This is the salvation that Isaiah is predicting, right? Isaiah is prophesying this salvation in, in 52, in chapter 52. He's saying, break forth into song because everybody is going to see the salvation of the Lord. What is this salvation? Isaiah 53. Who has believed what he has heard from us? And to whom has the arm of the Lord been revealed? For he grew up before him like a young plant, and like a root out of dry ground. He had no form or majesty that we should look at him, no beauty that we should desire him. He was despised and rejected by men, a man of sorrows and acquainted with grief, as one from whom men hide their faces. He was despised and we esteemed him not. Surely he has borne our griefs and carried our sorrows, yet we esteemed him stricken, smitten by God and afflicted. 
but he was pierced for our transgressions. He was crushed for our iniquities. Upon him was the chastisement that brought us peace, and with his wounds we are healed. All we like sheep have gone astray. We have turned every one to his own way, and the Lord has laid on him the iniquity of us all. What was the salvation that Isaiah was prophesying in Isaiah 52 when he said the salvation of the Lord, his strong right arm would be made known, would be seen by the nations, and so spontaneously break forth into song? What was that salvation that was to come? It was this suffering servant, this one that we have now identified as Jesus, the one who would come and cleanse his people from their sin. That Jesus would come, that he would be beaten and hung on a cross and would die so that the iniquities of God's people would be placed on him and the punishment for those sins would be placed on Jesus. And God's people would be saved. This is the salvation. This is the salvation that is made known. It's recorded in the scriptures for us alongside the other stories, right? You have the stories of God's salvation from Egypt and his salvation and the provision of the land and his salvations at other times. And then it comes to Jesus and it's like we hit the climax, the peak of the scriptures in Jesus. In fact, at Jesus' coming... There were two other people who broke into song. Maybe even more than that, but two at least that were recorded for us in the book of Luke. One being his mother Mary, who in her song is quoting from Psalm 98. And the second is Simeon, who, at, who was waiting in the temple for the salvation of the Lord to be revealed. And when Jesus was brought into the temple for dedication, he saw him and went, this is the salvation that is being made known to all the nations. Quoting from Psalm 98. Because God has been revealing his salvation throughout history and we have it recorded and it has been made known to the nations. Just as those nations around Israel at the time of the salvation through from Egypt, even as those nations saw that, so all nations are seeing and hearing about the salvation of God's people through Jesus. Is there any figure in history more famous than Jesus, more well-known on every continent in the world than Jesus? His salvation is being made known. The strength of his right arm is being made known to all the people. Therefore, break forth into song. Right? So then now we come to verse 4 where he begins to turn up the volume on this song. He's turning up the volume on, on this song. Make a joyful noise to the Lord, all the earth. Break forth into joyous song and sing praises. Come to the point where you have the joy in you and you're so excited about what's happening that you just can't contain it. It just, boom, bursts out. Right? Have you ever had something happen where uh, you, you got excited about something or thought maybe you thought something was really funny and for just a moment you forgot proper decorum and you just went, ha! It just bursts out, right? You, you couldn't stop it. You couldn't contain it. 
It just surprised you with this humor so suddenly that you just, and it came out. Make a joyful noise to the Lord, all the earth. Break forth into joyous song. This, this cheering just resounds, right? There, there's the sound of the cheering, the sound of, of uh, song and, and praise and joyful noises. It's like, it's like the sounds of a playground. Have you ever seen a playground full of kids and it's just so quiet? You're, you're at the pool and all the kids are just swimming so nicely and it's just calm and quiet. No. Never. I have never been at a park with more than three kids and it has been silent. You, you never go to the pool and it's silent. It just takes like two kids and there's lots of noise. Why is that? They're happy. They're really happy. So there's lots of noise. There's lots of rejoicing. Lots of things going on. That, that's what's going on here that we're being called. He said, just break forth into song. Make a joyful noise before the Lord. It's like the thunderous applause of a, of a delighted audience, right? They, they play the concert, and then the, the, the audience just claps with this thunderous applause. It's this, just this noise of celebration. Well done. Well done. I'm just so happy with that. Well done. I just want to encourage you. Well done. And we're just applauding for God. God, that salvation, that was awesome. Well done. Well done, I'm celebrating. Or those times when you're, you're in a, a sporting uh, situation and you're celebrating, right? I, I have had spontaneous, I'm, I'm a Blazers fan, some of you know that about me. And I can remember I was watching all by myself in my living room as Damian Lillard hits that, I don't, 35, 37, somebody can tell me how far away he was, and he ends it. Right? He ends the series, Oklahoma City, bye-bye. He waves them away. And I jumped up and I was like, yes! And I think I woke up all the kids. But I was excited, right? This is the difference between somebody who's a fan and somebody who's a spectator. The fan knows when to cheer, right? Because they're feeling when to cheer. They're feeling the excitement. They just burst forth into, into praise or into cheering, into excitement. I was at a Blazers game one time with a, with a sister-in-law. And um, at first, I was a, she was uncomfortable because I was jumping up and cheering. And then she realized that I was jumping up and cheering and everybody else was jumping up and cheering too. And she said, you're like jumping up and cheering at all the right times and everybody is following you. And I said, yes, that is because I am a cheerleader. <laughs> the difference between a spectator and a fan is that the spectator is watching for when is the time that we're supposed to sing? When is the time that we're supposed to celebrate? But the fan knows. You don't have to tell them when to celebrate. They're already feeling it. 
They're already feeling it. And so what he's saying here is make a joyful noise to the Lord, all the earth. Break forth into joyous song and sing praises. Sing praises to the Lord with the lyre, with the lyre and the sound of melody, with trumpets and the sound of the horn. Make a joyful noise before the King, the Lord. Just turn it up. What, have you got a lyre? You have, you've got a guitar? You've got some drums? You've got a trumpet? What, get something loud in here. Let's go. Let's go. We're celebrating. We're too excited to have it be quiet. We're not going to celebrate like this. Yay! Are you excited? Yeah! Could you turn down the excitement a little bit? Nope! We got to turn this thing up to 11. Let's go! Lots of noise, lots of praise. Why? Because of the salvation of our God is so great. It's so great. He hasn't stopped saving us. His faithful love has been there since the beginning and it continues today. And you may go, wait, I'm not feeling that so much. Let's, let's reset then. Because the spectator is concerned about how do we celebrate? Is this the right time to sing? Is this the right volume to sing at? But the fan of God, they're not worried about the how. That will just come. They're worried about the why. Why? Why am I celebrating? Why am I singing? And when you recognize the depth of your sin, when you recognize how much you deserve the punishment of God, how much you don't deserve His grace, and then you recognize that he has cleansed you from all of that sin. And he has given you far better than you deserve. And you just think about that. I don't know how. You don't at first just go, God, I am overwhelmed. Because I don't deserve this. And then, as you move from that place of the quiet, I don't deserve this to, but he's given it to me anyway, I don't know how you don't move into joy. And so we just have to take stock and say, what is it that God has done for us? What are the things that we can celebrate? These should be questions on our mind all the time. Because God has not stopped being faithful and we can look back at the things that God did back then. We can look back and we can say, oh yeah, God is worthy of praise because he saved them. But God is worthy of praise because he has saved me. And because he has saved you. And because he carries you through at those hard times when things are so difficult, he just brings you through that and gives you better than you deserve. And so we can't help but celebrate and break forth, burst forth with joyous praise. Make a joyful noise. Sing praises to the Lord with the lyre, with the lyre and the sound of melody, with trumpets and the sound of the horn. Make a joyful noise before the King, the Lord. We just praise him because he's the king. 
because he's the Lord over heaven and earth. We just praise him. And then having turned up the volume so that we bring in these instruments, right? At first it was that we would sing. Then he turns up the volume and he brings in these instruments to just make the whole thing bigger. And now he's, it's like, okay, a little louder for the people in the back. They may not have heard it, and this is important. And so we move into verse 7, and it says, Let the sea roar and all that fills it, the world and those who dwell in it. Let the rivers clap their hands. Let the hills sing for joy together before the Lord. For he comes to judge the earth. He will judge the world with righteousness and the peoples with equity. We sing... We bring in the music so that we can be louder and make our praises bigger. And then he says, and then actually all of creation, you just make all the noise. The roar of the sea. The clapping of the rivers. Let the hills sing for joy together before the Lord. Let all of creation just make its joyful sounds and resound with celebration. How awesome is our God and why, why all of this noise, why all of this singing, why all of this praise? Because, verse 9, he comes to judge the earth. He will judge the world with righteousness and the people with equity. All of the things that are currently not right, God comes to make right. All of the evil that we see in the world will be judged. It will be. All of the evil that we see in the world will be judged. Some of it is being judged in part right now. God's judgment is already coming. Consequences for people's evil behavior is already happening, and you see it in part now. But there is a time that is coming when the king of heaven and earth will come, and he will judge perfectly all of it. All of it. He's going to make it all right. Those who have been injured, he will make it right. Those who have done evil, they will be judged. And for us and for all of creation, we celebrate because of that righteous judgment. We celebrate because we want the world to be made right. And we recognize as sinful, wicked people, that we may end up on the wrong side of that judgment. We want it, right? We want all of the, the evil to be dealt with. We want right to be upheld. We want that, and yet we recognize that we should be judged, and yet we celebrate. Why? Because of the salvation of the Lord that has been revealed. So that even in the judgment, we continue to rejoice and say, yes, yes, get them, God. Get them. Well done. Well done. You judged that one too. 
And that evil thing, that should never have been. And you dealt with it. And you made that right. And these people who were brought low, you raised up. And even for me, Lord, the things that you hate in me, the sin that is in me, you have judged it and made me clean. How great is our God. He is the judge over all creation. He is the one that is worthy of all of our praise. And the day is coming where even if we aren't feeling the joy in us right now, we recognize that the day is coming where He will make all things right. And we will celebrate. And I want to read for you a picture of what this will look like. This is John writing in the book of Revelation, and it's a little bit long, so I'm just going to read it rather than have it up on the screen for you to read too. Revelation chapter 4, verse 2. At once I was in the Spirit, and behold, a throne stood in heaven, with one seated on the throne. And he who sat there had the appearance of jasper and carnelian. And around the throne was a rainbow that had the appearance of an emerald. Around the throne were twenty-four thrones, and seated on those thrones were twenty-four elders, clothed in white garments, with golden crowns on their head. From the throne came flashes of lightning, rumblings and peals of thunder, and before the throne were burning seven torches of fire, which are the seven spirits of God. And before the throne there was, as it were, a sea of glass like crystal. And around the throne, on each side of the throne, are four living creatures, full of eyes in front and behind, the first creature like a lion and the second like an ox, the third living creature with the face of a man, the fourth living creature like an eagle in flight. And the four living creatures, each of them with six wings and full of eyes around and within, and day and night they never cease to say, Holy, holy, holy is the Lord God Almighty, who was and is and is to come. And whenever the living creatures give glory and honor and thanks, to him who is seated on the throne, him who lives forever and ever. The 24 elders fall down before him who is seated on the throne and they worship him who lives forever and ever. They cast their crowns before the throne saying, worthy are you, our Lord and God, to receive glory and honor and power. For you created all things and by your will they existed and were created. And then I saw in the right hand of him who was seated on the throne a scroll written within and on the back, sealed with seven seals. I saw a mighty angel proclaiming with a loud voice, who is worthy to open the scroll and break its seals? And no one in heaven or on earth or under the earth was able to open the scroll or to look into it. And I began to weep loudly because no one was found worthy to open the scroll or to look into it. And one of the elders said to me, Weep no more. Behold, the lion of the tribe of Judah, the root of David, has conquered so that he can open the scroll and its seven seals. And before the throne, the four living creatures, and among the elders I saw a lamb standing as though it had been slain, 
with seven horns and seven eyes, which are the seven spirits of God sent out into all the earth. And he went and he took the scroll from the right hand of him who was seated on the throne. And when he had taken the scroll, the four living creatures and the 24 elders fell down before the lamb, each holding a harp and golden bowls full of incense, which are the prayers of the saints. And they sang a new song saying, Worthy are you to take the scroll, to open its seals, For you were slain, and by your blood you ransomed people for God from every tribe and language and people and nation. And you have made them a kingdom and priests to our God, and they shall reign on the earth. And then I looked, and I heard around the throne and the living creatures and the elders the voice of many angels, numbering myriads of myriads and thousands of thousands, saying with a loud voice, Worthy is the Lamb who was slain to receive power and wealth and wisdom and might and honor and glory and blessing. And I heard every creature in heaven and on earth and under the earth and in the sea and all that is in them saying, To him who sits on the throne and to the Lamb, be blessing and honor and glory and might forever and ever. And the four living creatures said, Amen. And the elders fell down and worshipped. And you have this scene of the throne with the king of heaven reigning on that throne and the judgment scroll being opened to be read by the lamb who is worthy to open it and a new song being sung even then because yet again is God worthy of our worship and our praise. And so then we ask, what's the volume set at for your praise? What's the volume set at as you reflect on the salvation of your God in the way that you live so that people in nations all around and even in your own neighborhood might see and hear of the powerful salvation of our God. And I would invite you to sing and rejoice in Him now as we sing this psalm and then a song that was based on this psalm. Let's pray. Lord, you are worthy of our praise. And Father, we recognize that praising you is a thing that we should do. But Lord, I ask that your spirit would come, that you would fill the lives of these people, and that you would cause them to recognize your glory and your salvation in them so that they would not rejoice simply because they ought to, but because they feel how awesome of a God you are and how great is your salvation, that they would not be able to contain the joy within them, but that they would burst forth into singing and into praise because of how awesome you are. And Lord, we ask for this and celebrate in your name.
Amen.